And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords. Adam joining us via Zoom. Uh, good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Did you get another haircut? <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, it keeps hmm, getting short. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks shorter this morning. Nothing, nothing uh, to yeah. be, yeah, nothing intentional. About. But uh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> I need to get a recheck. <laughs> No, no need for that. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Let's take a closer look at some of these major headlines. Uh, we're going to try to clarify them for our local listeners. This is our first pick of the day. Compensation plan. So Korea has announced a plan to compensate victims of forced labor through a government foundation with funds from Korean companies. A plan was welcomed by Japan, but of course, expectedly sparked protests from the victims. What's the latest, Adam? Right, so the announcement was made by Foreign Minister Park Jin, and he stressed the need to end what he called the vicious cycle in uh, this process of trying to resolve this issue uh, that's been uh, going on for years now. Now, Seoul Plans proposed uh, uh, that Korean companies who benefited from a 1965 post-war treaty will pay donations such as Steelmaker POSCO. Under that treaty, Tokyo offered $300 million in grants to Seoul. Um, now, the, four, uh, the fund of 4 billion won will be distributed among the families of 15 plaintiffs uh, in the 2018 Supreme Court rulings that ordered two Japanese companies to make the payments. Only three of those play, uh, plaintiffs actually remain alive, and they have all refused to accept the money. Um, Korea has also left the door open to voluntary participation by other Japanese companies. Now, it remains to be seen if Mitsubishi and Nippon Steel, the two uh, companies involved in that ruling, uh, will make voluntary contributions, though. They have declined to comment on the announcement, but they did reiterate that the issue has been resolved under that 1965 accord, essentially refusing um, to, excuse me, to pay up again. Now, by creating this fund, the Korean government is offering a way for the victims to be compensated while freeing up the Japanese companies from making direct payments to the victims. Uh, Korea also plans to further reinforce and expand initiatives to mem uh, memorialize the victims and to educate future generations about wartime atrocities. Now, President Yoon um, called the decision a determination to move toward future-oriented Korea-Japan ties. He's always been uh, mm -hmm. vowing to improve bilateral relations with mm -hmm. the neighbor. The Interior Ministry said it will explain follow-up measures to the victims and their families while continuing to seek their unanimous approval, although that will be kind of an uphill battle. Um, Prime Minister Handoff Su also said the government will work to expand projects that increase exchanges between teenagers and college students of the two countries. They've set up a related fund called the uh, Future Youth Fund. And um, according to reports, the business communities of the two countries have agreed to create this fund to sponsor scholarships for students. Uh, Prime Minister Han also vowed to speedily push for cooperation projects across all sectors, including culture, uh, foreign policy, security and business. OK, so the intent couldn't be crystal clear. But as you can imagine, opinions are split on, well, should we take into consideration how the victims feel? Run us through the reactions from both Japan and, of course, the victims. Right. Well, with yesterday's announcement, Korea essentially has placed the ball in Japan's mm. court. It is unclear how Tokyo plans to kind of respond, but Japanese leaders have reacted positively uh, to the recent efforts to mend bilateral ties. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said Japan hopes this will be an opportunity that will lead to strengthening bilateral relations moving forward. 
the country's foreign minister, Yoshimasu Hayashi, also welcomed the plan, saying his government would allow domestic firms uh, to join the public fund. He expressed hope that political and cultural exchanges between the neighboring countries uh, would expand as well. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden also held the move. Uh, but, of course, expectedly, victims and civic groups have strongly opposed the plan, criticizing the lack of apology and mm. contribution from the Japanese firms. Mm. And government activists call the plan humiliating and inattentive to the victims' voices in a protest uh, outside the foreign ministry. Uh, lawyers for the victims said the Korean government effectively provides immunity to the accused Japanese firms uh, from legal obligations. So pretty much uh, the expected reactions coming out from both Tokyo and the victims. Um, mm. And uh, legally speaking, there's been some opinions that uh, Korea's plan may not actually be legally viable as well. So mm. we'll have to see how it's a plan for now, but we have to see how it uh, progresses from here on out. Right, right. We might, when given the opportunity, uh, get a legal perspective on that story, in fact, tomorrow. Okay, so the efforts, though, from especially the foreign ministry and the country's central government, it's always been about alleviating tension and seeking mutual interest with uh, Tokyo, which brings us to our second keyword of the day. Row on hold. So Korea will suspend a complaint filed with the World Trade Organization against Japan for restrictions on the export of certain key materials to Korea. This comes as the two countries agree to work together to lift the very export curbs. What's the latest? So again, more efforts uh, to try and uh, improve bilateral relations yeah. uh, with uh, Japan. The announcement came over three years after the restricted uh, uh, restrictive measures were first imposed. Now, Seoul's trade ministry made clear that it is not a withdrawal of the complaint. It is just a pause. The ministry said that if the issue does not progress well, the process may well resume again. Now, the Japanese government, meanwhile, will soon host a policy dialogue on export controls. Uh, the specific date has not been settled yet. Uh, now, if you remember back in July 2019, Japan restricted exports to Korea of three key chemicals essential in the making of semiconductors and displays. Some key items, export items of Korea. Uh, Japan also removed Korea from its so-called white list of trusted trading partners. But there's been reports that that policy may also be reversed as well. Mm. Now, the curves didn't really impact Korean firms at the time that much because of the timely kind of shift to domestication of the key materials involved, as well as sourcing away uh, from Japan. But mm. it was kind of a, a, a source of kind of tensions between the two countries nonetheless. Now, the WTO decided in 2020 to establish an arbitration panel, but the process has been at a standstill since then, as both countries failed to agree on uh, yeah. panel member selection. So um, there wasn't really much progress being done uh, when the um, complaint was first filed by Korea back in 2019. Uh, but it is now officially on hold uh, until further notice. All right. With that, we should move on to our third keyword of the day. Workweek overhaul. So the government has unveiled a set of plans to revise the current 52-hour work week to give workers greater flexibility in their working hours because despite its best effort, it seemed that people had to get the job done so they weren't properly being compensated for the long hours, just clock out at that 52-hour mark. So that wasn't working. Tell us the details of the changes. 
Yeah, so it was quite a controversial policy to begin sure. with, uh, a lot of uh, criticisms uh, as well as welcoming of that uh, policy. Mm. But uh, President Yoon has been touting this labor reform, and this is all part of it as well. So essentially it is a kind of work hard, play hard kind of scheme, <laughs> or work longer, play longer, if you will. That, uh, that now, sticks better, work hard, play right. hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, now, the current system, uh, which was introduced in 2018, it limits, work, limits workers to working up to 52 hours a week, as we all know. Now, mm. the new plans uh, will not allow only workers to manage the time they work on a weekly basis, but also on a monthly, quarterly, and even yearly basis as well. That mm. gives them the option to work up to 69 hours in a week, provided they work fewer hours in other weeks. This means that during busy periods, workers may choose to work longer hours. During quieter times, they may also choose to work fewer hours. Now, according to the new standards of overtime labor, a worker may work a maximum of 140 hours of overtime per quarter of a year, 250 hours in half a year, and 440 hours um, in a full year. Now, the government will also introduce a new policy which allows workers to save extended working hours and switch them to holiday time. Uh, the addition of this to existing paid annual holiday time will mean that workers can basically enjoy long-term holidays uh, and even longer uh, sabbaticals as well. Now, mm -hmm. the flexible working hour system will be strengthened and improved further. Mm -hmm. Currently, details of the system must first be confirmed in advance. The government plans to submit a revision bill, therefore, to Parliament. Uh, either in June or July. Mm. So overall, it's not the effort is not to increase working hours. It's just to allow more flexibility for companies and employees to decide their own. Because think about it. Our, well, we're freelancers, so I guess it doesn't apply. But <laughs> right. our working hours are concentrated in the mornings, right? Why? Yeah. <laughs> in certain days, we fill in more hours. Other days, I'm free as a bird. And That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it eventually evens out. All right. Yeah. Some changes uh, I'm sure we'll debate it to death and and the hopes are making small progress to make it better. Yeah. All right, on mm -hmm. to our fourth keyword of the day. Second, Jeju Airport. So the government has approved a plan to build a new international airport on Jeju Island. This comes after years-long conflict over the potential environmental impact. Now, that conversation is not necessarily put in the back burner. It's just maybe the initial approval passed through. Yeah, that's right. So the approval comes with uh, several conditions. Now, the project involves a new airport to be built on the island in Songsanup, in Sogipo, which is in the eastern end of Jeju Island. Uh, that's in order to resolve the kind of overcapacity at the current airport. And there's been kind of increasing demand as well, especially uh, after the pandemic. Now, the new airport, it covers around an area of five and a half square kilometers. The land ministry will need to apply the conditions suggested by the environment ministry to its basic plan for the project and will need to hold discussions with the provincial government of Jeju Island. On top of the land ministry's revision, the environment ministry asked to further evaluate the impact on habitats of birds living in the area, considering the risk of bird strikes uh, and reflect the opinion of residents on the island regarding noise from planes. Uh, the environment ministry also required a review of alternatives to the overall plan, including size of the site and the location of the runway as well. Now, mm. the updated plan will need to build on preservation measures of groundwater sources, as it is expected some 153 sources may be affected within and near the site location, as the volcanic island kind of possesses a high amount of 
uh, groundwater, a lot of water that we see. For example, this comes from uh, Jeju Island. Uh, now, the ministry's conditional approval uh, encountered, of course, expectedly fierce opposition from civic groups. They're still not happy mm. with the plan. They say they disagreed with the ministry's political decision that ignores the truth. Um, and the science. All right. So it, it's still being debated. Let's leave it there for now so we can move on to our final keyword of the day. B-52H in South Korea. So South Korea and the United States have staged combined air drills involving the U.S. nuclear-capable B-52H strategic bombers. Tell us the details. Right, so Seoul actually posted a video of the combined mm. air drills on uh, social media. The B-52H strategic bomber plane is capable of flying at high altitudes and subsonic speed and can drop nuclear bombs as well. The plane is considered the backbone of uh, the U.S. bomber plane force, in fact. Uh, yesterday's air drills is the latest show of America's military might against North Korea's uh, evolving military threats and goes in line with this vow to further um, implement these extended deterrents uh, to protect South Korea. Now, the exercise took place over the West Sea, mobilizing the bomber as well as South Korea's F-15K and KF-16 fighter jets. The Allies held similar drills involving a US B-1B bomber on Friday as well. So these drills are increasing in uh, number and size. Now, the deployment comes, of course, amid concerns that Pyongyang could launch provocations uh, in response to the Freedom Shield exercise, which is set to pl uh, take place next week. Uh, the U.S. previously deployed a B-52H bomber here in December uh, last year. So it hasn't been that long since the last deployment. But of course, this all comes amid increasing North Korean weapons testings mm -hmm. and missile launches. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. Have a safe day and I'll see you tomorrow. You too. Stay safe. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.